talking to you and you saw that tent, you're like, I need to be camping right now. Why did I stick behind and go to church this weekend? I should be camping. Exactly. How many guys are campers in here? Any campers in here would say, get me in the outdoors. Get me out. I just got to get outdoors and say, you know, uh, Heidi and I are not necessarily campers. We're kind of, uh, we, you know, we'd like to take it a little easier. We're hotelers apparently, but... Um, you know what I mean? But, you know, but we, you know, we still rough it. I put my kids on the floor in sleeping bags to keep it cheap. So we start, start doing one room. It's fine. But hey, um, it's great. You know, we're talking about stars. And uh, by the way, thanks for being here today. Again, if you have, I'm Campus Allen, uh, Allen Campus Pastor here. Thanks for new people. Thanks for coming to check us out today. I just want to say you could be going to a lot of other places, a lot of things, but thanks for being here. And we're talking about stars and we're not talking about um, the, uh, we're not talking about stars like the kind you find on the Walk of Fame, okay? We're not talking about um, City of Stars like Ryan Gosling singing in La La Land or something like that, right? By the way, side note, um, I, I just found out that I'm the, I have, my doppelganger is, uh, is uh, Ryan Gosling. So you're welcome, Heidi, for that. You married this, so that's perfect. So, um, and, and so they take one of those tests and they throw it up on the screen. I'm like, all right, this is great. So, uh, so I like to say Heidi married up. Typically they say I married up, but for once I get the upper hand. It's fine. Um, so it's not city of stars. It's not that. It's, we're talking about the stars that are not that we walk on the Holly Walk of Fame, but that are up in the sky. When I was little growing up, I had a telescope and uh, we had a big picture window in my living room and we would go and we would look at the moon, we would look at the stars and, I'm, and it's like, you know, my dad would always say, I think you should, there's, you know, there's, a, there's the moon, there's some, I, think, I think there's a man in the moon, you gotta see if you can find him and he was saying all this stuff to me and I remember having that telescope, I would spend growing up looking at the stars and there's something about the magnitude of looking up and seeing up that kind of crafts our attention. Even last night, I just went out and I prayed under the stars, knowing this was coming. And I thought, man, I just need to get out and look at the heavens because they really do speak. They really do declare something. And I want to have a chance to take a moment. I think today God is going to do something. I think God is going to shift your perspective. God is going to take you. He's going to, you are in, in God's going to take our perspective and he's going to take you from being someone who thinks your problem is too big that God can't handle it. And God's going to right size your problems. God's going to take you from being the center of the universe and God's going to put himself there. And I think God is going to go in and begin to speak a little bit to our hearts to say, you know what? God can, God will. God is an overcoming God that brings the victory and the hope that's needed and the help that's needed. Your problem is not too big. It's really not too big. God is going to bring what today, the answer that you need and I just think there's going to be a shift today. So get ready. If you feel it shifting, you're going to feel the shift come and in the next 30 minutes here. And God's going to do something big in your heart. And I can't wait to see what God's going to do. Why do I say that? Because have you ever had a chance to look at our star? If we're going to talk about stars. We should take a look at our star. If you take a look at our star for a second, um, our star is quite big if you look at it in perspective to the earth um, versus the rest of the planets. If you take a look at our star, um, you can notice that it is a definitely a lot larger. And did you know that you can fit a million earths in our sun, our star? A million earths. That's pretty impressive. Um, there's another star called the, Rig the Rigel star. You can fit a million suns into that star. So imagine putting a million Earths in our star. Now imagine putting a million of our stars into that star. And then there's another star called Canis Majoris can fit a million Rigels in there. 
man, how big is the universe and how big are some of these things, these, some of these expressions of God's creation? That is our star. And look at that perspective for a second. The next thing, our star. Our star is, um, the next star, that's, our star is the closest one to us, as we all know. The next star that's closest to us is the Centauri. I think I have a picture of that as well. Um, it's the closest star we have in proximity to us, and it's 4.2 light years from Earth, okay? So that's the next closest star other than the sun, is, is this star. Now, if you were to travel there in current technology, like, you know, like one of our like rocket ships or whatever, tra- that travels at 25,000 miles an hour. To get to the next closest sun in our galaxy, it would take us 81,000 years to get to Proxima Centauri. 81,000 years. That's the next closest star, okay? Now, think of the rest of the stars. You know that we've got billions of stars in our galaxy, okay? And by the way, if you think of our galaxy, or in our galaxy, um, if you're going to think about um, our, uh, of all the stars in the Milky Way, okay, we live in the Milky Way, our star would be like a subdivision in the Milky Way. If you think about that, um, you could think of it this way. If you were to count all the stars um, in, our, in our galaxy alone, in the, at one star per second, it would take you 25,000 years to count every star in just our galaxy our solar system is not the center of the Milky Way, by the way. Scientists say our solar system, put it this way, is the size of a quarter, which is our solar system. And our galaxy is the size of the North American continent. So if you think about our sun and nine planets dropped in to our galaxy, that is a quarter on the North American continent. So there is something to the hugeness and the vastness and the bigness that says to us that we have a God who created all of this, that created us. And in the context of all of this, we serve a pretty incredible God. There's a pretty incredible God that is alive and creating and doing cool things. God actually says this about himself in Isaiah 40. It says, to whom can you compare to me? Who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift your eyes up to the heavens who created all of these. So God's saying, who can compare to me? And then he answers himself and says, the one who leads forth the starry hosts, one by one, he calls them by name. If every star, and if you were to look at all the billions and billions and billions of stars and on all of the galaxies and all of the solar systems that are out in the heavens that are expanding, God created it with one word. He created the heavens and the earth. He spoke it. And that creation is still expanding. God's word is still producing. God's word is still expanding. There's a reason why the galaxy is big as, as what it is. Because the galaxy is still expanding scientifically and God's word is still going out. It's still happening. It's still creating. When you put those things in perspective and we say, God knows every star by name. The cool thing is he knows you by name and he knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows exactly where you're at. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows exactly the things that you're walking through right now. God calls you by name, just like he calls every star. That's the kind of God we serve. Now, I remember when I was at, we went to, I went to a camp um, once. And when I went to the camp, one of the people in the cabin, they brought, you know, those glow stars, like the green, when you shut the lights off, you can stick them on the ceiling. Anybody ever have seen those or had those? You know what I'm saying? You put those glow things on the ceiling, the glow stars. Okay. And I remember um, we would see that kind of stuff. And, and I would see the glow stars on the ceiling. And I remember thinking like, oh, that's kind of cool. You shut the lights off, they start glowing green or whatever. Okay, and I think sometimes we see God 
in that way. We see God's strength and magnitude as plastic glow stars on an eight by 10 foot bedroom ceiling or cabin ceiling. And if you look at those stars compared to the real thing, those stars is not as strong as, as they're, not, they're not nearly as strong. They're not, they're, they're not as lit, they're, it's lit as, the lighting is fake in it. It's limited in scope and depth and it's plastic and lifeless. You know what I mean? But we look at those things and we live, I think sometimes, as, as I want to challenge us now, I think sometimes as Christians, we live under eight foot ceilings with glow in the dark stars that we stuck ourselves on the ceiling. And then we live under our own ceilings and hang our own stars, but that's not the reality. God hangs the stars. God put them in the sky. We can't do it on our own. And I think a lot of times we try to live faith on our own and it's just like us hanging our own stars. But if you have a hard time needing God in your life, you will have a hard time seeing God in your life. So I want to challenge us today to say, let's shift the perspective. I want to shift the perspective. Just like in those photos, just like what we're talking about, the limitless power of God and God's vastness. I want you to look at this and say, you know what? Today, God is bigger. God is stronger. When you look up in the heavens and you begin to see the heavens, you need to start seeing a God that's big and a God that's strong, a God that can do this. We want to go ahead and open up your perspective on that. God's vastness in comparison to our smallness makes our problems meaningless compared to to God's greatness. So, but it doesn't change the fact that it's, times can get difficult. Okay, well, we serve a big God, but it gets hard. We serve a big God, but I still face a problem in my marriage. And I've still watched my family, parts of my family and parts of my friends go through divorce. I still watch friends suffer. I still watch people who don't get healed of diseases sometimes. And I wonder why is that happening? You begin to look at this and you say, why is it then that as we look at this, we walk through these things. If God is so big, why is it so hard? How do we navigate times in life when things don't go the way we think? How do we navigate that? Well, our scripture verse today, that's going to help us kind of unpack this a little bit. is found in Jeremiah 32. And I want us to look, open your Bibles if you got them, or you can, on the screen, it'll be up in a second. Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen, And Jeremiah could relate to what this question we're asking right now of the difficulties of walking through things when it's difficult and the bigness of God and our smallness and needing God to do something. You see, Jeremiah was a prophet. Let me get the context real quick for you. Jeremiah was called as a teenager. God spoke to him in a church service as a teenager. And God spoke to him and said, you're going to be a prophet to the nations. And he says, I'm too young. I'm just a, I'm just a, uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm too young. I'm only a youth. God, I, God, you really can't use me. And God says, yes, I can, because you're going to be a spokesperson to the nations. God begins to speak to him and he goes out and he begins to be a prophet to the God's people. He gets to bring the truth of God to the people. And in the midst of all of this, there was, um, God, God goes and he begins to put a message in his heart saying, um, things are difficult. Things are beginning to take a turn for the worst. And you have Jeremiah in a situation where the people around him love God, but things are going the way they planned. Jeremiah is, pray, is loving God and seeking God and praising God, but he begins to see the enemy come in and the people of God begin to get, uh, come under siege of Babylon and they begin to get enslaved and all these difficulties begin to happen. And Jeremiah is just like living in this tension of we're God's people, but the enemy's coming. How do we deal with this? And so what Jeremiah does is he goes in and he begins, he does something really unique. He buys, he goes over 
and he gets a call from his cousin. His cousin says, I got a plot of land for you. I want you to buy this land and I want you to purchase this land. If you look in Jeremiah 32, some of the Bibles have it says, Jeremiah buys a plot of land, buys the plot of land. He takes the land and he purchases it. He gets the deed, he gets the contract. And God says this to him. God says, I want you to buy this land because here's what I'm gonna do. You're gonna invest in something that's not gonna bring about a return. You're gonna invest in something that's not gonna go well for you. You're going to be, buy something. You're going to invest in something. You're going to give yourself to something that's not going to bring a return that you would want right now. And God says, but it's going to be a picture because what's going to happen is, he says, you're going to watch this because as the enemy comes in, people are going to get taken into captivity. And that's where, you know, Daniel in the lion's den, um, all these other heroes of all these other people in the Bible that we've read about, all of them are going to begin to get captured and they're going to get taken prisoner. And God says, it's going to look like you wasted your money. It's going to look like it was a bad decision. It's going to look like it wasn't supposed to go this way. And he says, but I'm going to do something. I'm going to take this land and I'm going to turn it around. And that land is going to begin to be turned around. And he says, so I want you to do this as an illustration for the people. God told Jeremiah, it's not going to be a waste because I'm going to turn around. I'm going to bring the people, even though it looks tough now, you're facing the enemy now and it's difficult now. It's going to turn around. And so as Jeremiah does this, as he goes out, he's hearing this. He does something. He goes out and he walks out. And he's in the middle of this difficulty and he's buying this land and he knows he's putting money in this property that's not going to produce a result. He walks out and he looks up in the sky and he prays Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen in the midst of all of this. He says, Sovereign Lord, you've made the heavens and the earth by your power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. That's what he prays. Nothing is too hard for God. That's the message today. Nothing is too hard for God. The struggle is real, but so is Jesus. The struggle is difficult, but so is God. And in the midst of it, I don't know what you are watching in your life that you've given your life to. Some of you have given your life to raising up a child and that child is beginning to deviate. And you're saying, why is this not happening? Where is this going? And you're wondering, where is God in all this? But God says, look up in the heavens. For nothing's too difficult for me. It's going to turn around. Some of you have family members that are walking through cancer, walking through um, physical uh, ailments, walking through difficulty, sickness or disease or whatever. And you're wondering, okay, God, I've, been, I've invested in prayers. I've invested in this relationship. It's family. It's a friend. And where is it? And God says, nothing's too difficult for me. This is not too difficult for me. You go in a situation, you go, you walk into a, a marriage, you've invested in a marriage for so long and you got into this marriage. You're like, okay, I'm going, I'm in this marriage and I'm, I'm praying and it's not turning around. Why is this not happening? I'm facing a problem. God says, don't worry. It looks like you're waste, you wasted this investment. It's not a waste. Nothing's too difficult for me. You go into a situation where financially you put yourself into a, you made a decision, you went into a deal. It went, didn't go the way you wanted. But God says, look, it's not, it's not too difficult for me. Even though it's hard, even though it's difficult, God says, there's hope. You can hope and you can trust in me. You can hope and trust in this because 
Look at the heavens. That's when the perspective shifts. Look how big the stars are. Look how big, the, how many times the sun can fit into a sun can fit into a sun. Look at how vast. Take a moment and look up and say, if God can do that, surely he can do this. So we have to have a shift of perspective. You know, the tutor of Emperor Constantine's son, Lactanius, you know what he said when he was tutoring one of the, the emperors around in biblical days? He said this, can anyone be so foolish as to believe that there are men whose feet are higher than their heads or places where things may be hanging downwards, trees growing backwards or rain falling, ups, rain falling upwards? He's saying this, he's saying, he's saying this, that's, and then he says, so why would the world be flat? Why would the world be round? The world is flat. But we know a thousand years ago to say the world was round would make you insane. But now today to say the world is flat, you'd be certifiably insane because we've had a perspective shift because we begin to pull back and we begin to see, I get it now. Our vantage point has changed. Jeremiah's vantage point changed. So take your limitations off what God can do. Your challenge today, I hope you're getting stirred up. You need to take the limitations off what God can do because God doesn't have limits. Take your limitations off because it always comes down to the promise versus the process. It always comes down to that because it's a lot easier to agree with the promise God gave you than to agree with the process God is giving you. Because the process is tough, but there is a journey and the process gets tough. That's why Abraham walked through this. God did the same thing with Abraham. In Abraham, God does something. God goes in and begins to speak a message. He says, Abraham, you've been waiting for a child. You've been looking for a child, Abraham. And you are now Ab- uh, um, Sarah, his wife. It's a biblical, this, this biblical couple in the Bible in, 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 uh, in Genesis. They wanted a child so bad. And they begin to get way up old, past their childbearing years. And God begins to speak a message to Sarah, his wife. She goes, you're going to have a baby in your old age. And she laughs. And she goes, really? I'm going to have a baby? That doesn't even make sense. That's biologically impossible, humanly impossible. I'm past my childbearing years. I'm moving into retirement. I bought a condo in Bogota, in in Florida, right? I got like, I mean, everything's going. I got my membership at the Y. I work out every, every, I'm playing Canasta on every Tuesday and Thursday, I'm in retirement mode. This is not happening. God says, no, you've been wanting it. So here's what we're going to do. He goes, you're going to be, you're going to have a a legacy of billions of people. You're going to be a father to billions. And Sarah laughs and God says, don't laugh. Abraham, follow me. Abraham is in his tent when God's talking to him. Abraham's praying and God begins to speak to him and says, watch this. First of all, we're going to take you out of this tent because this eight-foot ceiling is too, is, is too limited for you. Come on outside. Literally in Genesis 15, 5 and 6, God takes him out and says, good, now you're out of the tent. Now look up. What do you see? What do you see? The stars. Look at them. Try to count them, Abraham. You can't count them because that's how many kids you're going to have because this is what I'm telling you is that you need to get out because you've been, you look, you, you've been stuck in a man-made ceiling. Man, things have been spoken over you. Things have been said over you. You've got thoughts that limit you, but God says, I'm taking you out of that. Get out from underneath it because there's a greater God for you. There's a greater, there's a greater future for you than what you're stuck in. And this is where we all live. We got to get our eyes off our ceiling and focus on the heavens. Our false ceiling puts circumstances between us and God, but faith puts God between us and our circumstances, right? 
Because God is saying to us, look, last time I checked, there are 2 billion Christians in the world. God's fulfilled the promise for Abraham. But you know how long it came? 14 days or 14 years later. Abraham had a child 14 years after that promise. So Abraham steps out of the tent and says, cool, let's get the baby room ready. Go to, go to, go to bye-bye baby up on radio drive and let's go ahead and start get the, get everything ready. They're going to get ready. And then it's, and then it, from there, it goes to 168 months. That's 728 weeks. That's 5,110 day, 5, days that they waited for that promise to come. I'm here to tell you this. Just because it's hard doesn't mean it's God's will. Just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not God's will for you. Matthew 19, 26, with, with people, this is impossible, but nothing is impossible with God, right? We want the immediate to equal success. We want the immediacy of God to equal success. But let me tell you this, faithfulness celebrates progress more than success. So stop striving for overnight answers and start focusing on everyday obedience, right? Get in that mode. Get in that mode of, of, of everyday obedience. Walk it out. Jeremiah doesn't, Jeremiah looks and Jeremiah looks up and he begins to pray that prayer. Nothing's possible. God, all things are possible with you. I know this. And do you know what God says? If you read a few verses down, God says, buy a field, invest in this. It's, and you know what? You're not going to get the turn. You You're not even going to see the return. Because guess what? This, per- this wasn't for you. This purchase is for, I'm, I'm making an illustration. I'm showing the people of God something. And this is what God says. I'm going to make a covenant with them. After Jeremiah prays this prayer, a few verses later, God says this. God responds. After Jeremiah prays, nothing's impossible for you, God. God says, that's right. Because here's what I'm going to do. I'm never going to stop doing good to you. I'm going to, I'm, you're, you're going to rejoice in doing good and you will plant and you will plant in the land with your heart and soul. Fields will be bought for silver and deeds will be signed and sealed, witnessed in the territories of Benjamin. I will restore their fortunes, declares the Lord. God is a restorer. God restores you. God will restore what you've invested in. If you feel like it's been lost, it's not. God is restored. Are you with me? I know it seems hard, but most of our problems are not circumstantial. They're, perpe- they're perceptual. That's it. Don't focus on your, on your circumstances. Change your perspective. We reduce God to the size of our biggest problem. You know what some of the sizes of our problems are? Our, our size of our problem becomes the length of numbers in our ATM machine that says there's only this much money in it. Right? The size of our, we reduce um, God to the size of our problem where, where we think, well, God, I don't know where the money's going to come from. We reduce God to a collection of characters and, and of, to, to a word that was said to you in an email that really damaged you. We reduce our problem to a few seconds in a doctor's office for hearing a bad report. We reduce God to a few inches of an envelope carrying divorce papers. We reduce God to these little things. And so it's not about the size of the problem. It's about the size of our God. Look up in the heavens. Look at the stars. He knows them by name and he knows you by name. Do you know what I'm saying? So we make plans, but God orders our steps. That's why prayer is less about changing our circumstances and changing our perspective instead. I think a lot of times we go to prayer to say, God, please heal my friend. God, please bring me money. God, please give me a job. And God's like, oh, the answer is great. But I'm less, I'm less concerned about giving you the answer, more about changing your perspective. Because the less, you, need less, you, need, you need less money. You need more knowing that you're my son or my daughter. 
and I'll never stop loving you. So I want to get that in you first because that's more important than your next, than, than getting some kind of a windfall or getting that. You need to know who you are because you, because then if you only knew what I have for you, if you only knew the stuff I have for you. So we have to have a perspective shift. Four perspective shifts. First one is this. There's no promise too hard for the Lord to fulfill. There is no promise. There's no promise too hard for the Lord to fulfill. There's over 300,000 promises in the Bible. You know, success, as you're pursuing God, success is not going to be found in your performance for God, but it's in the promise from God for you. That's where success is found. So lean into the promises. We had friends who, there's a really dear couple of ours we've known for 20 some years. They prayed for a baby. They kept praying for a baby, kept praying for a baby, kept praying for a baby. And they're looking, they're like, God, where are you? And all of a sudden, as they're praying, they're asking for a child. You know what? You know what their answer was? Their, their child wasn't a baby that, was, that came in the womb. Their baby came from, their, the baby came from an orphanage in Korea. They signed that dotted line for those papers and they walked those, those twin girls through, one of them through heart surgery. Um, the next one is they're growing and they're going for it. And guess what? A year or two later, the doctors go, I can't believe this. You're pregnant. This is impossible. You weren't supposed to get pregnant. We kind of believe that God wanted those Korean kids to happen first. We kind of believe that the promise was to have those Korean babies first and then to, get, and then to have their biological. So you just don't know how God will do it. You don't know what God will do. 2 Corinthians 1.20, all the promises of God are yes in him. Right? Are you with me? Are the promises of God no? Promises of God are yes in him. Come on, somebody. There's a holy patience we need to have. Here's, here's the deal, but you gotta wait it out. Patience is saying yes to God while being surrounded by no's until your yes finally becomes a reality in your life. So guess what? You're still getting no's. That's okay. Because patience is saying yes to God while you're surrounded by no's because your yes is going to come. All right? Second thing, as we, second perspective. There's no prayer too hard for God to answer. There's no prayer too hard for God to answer. I remember, you know, some of, I remember I was at a camp once praying for, we were praying with teenagers in a camp when I was a youth pastor and these kids, and this kid came up to me and, 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 and someone says, hey, will you pray for him? I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. And I was like, not in, you know, you're just like, I wasn't like prayed up, ready to go. Like I had locked and loaded some scriptures. I'm like, ah, all right, Jesus, we prayed. And all of a sudden this kid who was a, he was a football player. He, he couldn't play football that fall because of his back injury. He couldn't do anything. I we applied the cross to him. We just prayed the cross of Jesus. Me and this kid prayed. He feels fire shoot through his back and God heals his back. And he picks me up off the ground and he goes, I couldn't play football this year. He picked me up and just like threw me in the air. I was just like, I was like, uh, I'm like, okay. And he like, and then he catches me and it was great, but no, but he really did. He threw me, he picked me up. It was like, ugh. he says, I couldn't do this before. God healed him. You know what I'm saying? Do you believe that God can heal you? So don't be discouraged. Look up in the heavens. If you get it, get out of your eight foot ceiling that says, well, God can't heal because the gifts died out or my, you know, no, get out of your eight foot ceiling. Get out of your tent. Look up, Abraham. God's got a baby for you. God's got a healing for you. God's got a promise for you. Come on, somebody. All right, number three. Oh, wait, um, I'll, I'll throw this your way. Stop trying to understand why this is happening to you and start trying to understand God's power over you. Because when you can get a hold of God's power, Jeremiah 33, a few, a few, a few like words later, Jeremiah, Jeremiah 33 says this. He's like, look, he's, God says, call to me. You should tattoo that on your arm. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call to me, I will answer you. I'm going to answer my son when he talks to me. You may not like the answer, but I'm going to answer him. God is not silent over you. God is not going up there crossing his arms saying, well, it's just, I'm not going to say anything. 
God speaks to you and it's with love and it's with kindness. So wait for it. Get your perspective on how God sees you. Get your perspective right on what God has for you. Well, I prayed for God to do this. Well, you know how many times he's asked me for Oreos at 5.30? You're gonna get Oreos at 5.30, son. <laughs> look at that. His fedora be like, no, but I look at it in my fedora. Exactly. He said, no, he's not gonna get, he's not gonna get Oreos at 5.30 because he wants, he's hungry for it now. He's not gonna get it. Because I'm like, oh, he doesn't know. He's got to go have, you got to have grilled chicken and, and, and carrots, steamed carrots and vegetables because you don't eat enough of them. That's what he needs to get. He'll get an Oreo later. Do you see the difference? Don't, don't, just let, understand and know that who God is and what he has for you. So God's power is for you. You know, I was thinking about this. I think a lot of times when God doesn't move anything, we get, we get fearful. And I put, I put this down. I put fear is faith for the kingdom of darkness. Here's what I mean by that. If the opposite of faith is fear, then, uh, see, I had a little typo here. If the opposite of faith is fear, then I would suggest fear is faith for the kingdom of darkness so that the more you fear, the stronger the darkness. And if that's the case, the darker it is, the harder it is to see clearly. You can't see because you are operating out of fear because fear is faith for darkness. And you know what? It's just getting darker and darker. And you're just like, no, 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 because faith is the opposite of fear. God, author, perfecter, finisher of fear. You want to see clearly. You want to see God. You're like, I don't know where God is right now. I'm trying hard to find God. And it's like, well, stop fearing, being fearful. And starts letting faith rise. And just pray, God, I need, to, I need to believe. Help my unbelief. That's the disciples prayed. You could pray that. I prayed all the time. I'm just like, I'm just believing this. This is going to be a bigger church because we want to reach more people for Jesus. You know, rather than just like, oh, great. You know, everybody's out. You know, it's like, okay, let's go, God. Let's see what God will do. All right. Uh, number three, there's no problem too hard for the Lord to solve. There's no, there's no problem too hard for the Lord to solve. You know what? I, I think that's the one thing I do. That's just, God can do anything. I'm, I like to think I'm a problem solver, but when it comes to fixing things, I'm not a handyman. Heidi would call me an unhandy man, actually. <laughs> you're, you're my unhandy man, probably she would say. But it's like, you know, I changed some lighting fixtures. I did good on that. But you know what I mean? I painted all this stuff. But I'm like, there's problems. There's certain things I just can't do. And so, uh, you know, and so I think, and so I think part of that, there's got to be moments where we're saying, you know what? I remember even recently, I was, I was putting, screwing something on the wall and I took my electric drill. I put it on. I started like, I was like going in and I'm pushing with all my might on this drill. And I'm like, why is this screw nut going in? Why is this screw nut going in? What's going on? I'm just like, what is happening? I'm pushing. I was like, I can smell burning wood. And I realized I'm just like, I'm like, I can't even drill right now. I'm just like, Jesus, end it now. Like I'm, I'm, I'm hopeless. And I looked at the drill and it was unreversed. Like I was unscrewing. Heidi goes, is everything okay in here? And I go, just please leave. I can't tell you what's about to happen, right? What's happening right now. She goes, yes, I'm just going to go put worship on right now and make, change the vibe of the home. But anyways, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's easy to live in disappointment. It's easy to live in disappointment. So I'm going to say this to you. Are you ready? Stop being disappointed with God not giving you the dreams of your heart and start carrying the dreams of God's heart because you will be more fulfilled and realize you were dreaming too small to begin with. That's what I love. There's no problem too small. I love Global Project stories. I love Global Project. And if you, ever have, any, if you have any questions, by the way, on Global Project, Pastor Justin is right over here. He's a Global Project um, leader, director, coordinator, pastor over all things global. You need, he's over in the blue shirt. A lot of you know him. You need to, if you're like, you need to go on a Global Project trip. I know a lot of you. I already, I've been talking to a bunch of you. You know who you are. 
Todd, Todd just went on a trip because I got, I said, you're going on a trip with me. I'm not taking no for an answer. And good thing God spoke to him first before I had to play that one. But, um, but anyways, the, uh, hey, you know what? But I, what I love is we're like, ah, you know what it is? I can't go. It's too much. It's too much money. I can't go on a global project. I don't got that kind of money. Are you serious? You think I'm made of money? You always ask for my money. I give my money all the time to you. Like I'm going to give you more money for a global project. Not going to happen. And I said, well, why don't you trust God for the money? You would not believe how many, when I was youth pastoring, how many teenagers got random checks flying in from Nowheresville. You know what I mean? Some kind of crazy, some check coming in, giving money. And all of a sudden it's just coming in and now they're going on trips. And like, and now this one girl's like, I, she was like, I didn't think I was going to go. And she goes, she had 700 extra bucks going. I got 700 extra bucks. I'm like, give it away to, give it away to some other kid who needs it. You're going to be someone else's blessing. Go on a global project. Don't think that's too hard for you because God will provide a way. Nothing's impossible with God. That's what I love it. There's no problem too hard for God to solve. Hebrews 13, five, God says this. I will never under any circumstances, desert you, this is amplified, nor give you up, nor leave you without support, nor will I in any degree leave you helpless, nor will I forsake you or let you down or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. That's the amplified verse. I just I put that on. I was like, I love how that sounds. You know? Uh, lastly, there's no person too hard for the Lord to save. We talk about Christ saving people here. And, you know, God saves people and we just believe Christ through his redemption does that. My father was not a Christian for 60 some odd years. He's only been saved for probably 10, 15 years now, somewhere around there. Not a Christian. So here I am becoming a, a pastor and he's like, I don't want to hear about you being a pastor. I don't want anything to do with that. And my dad says to me, and now my dad is one of the most generous Christians. He became a Christian mid sixties. My mom was praying for him for decades, decades. And now I've told this story before, I think he walks around and rolls up hundred dollar bills and shakes hands with kids in the, in the um, single mom kids and shakes hands with them and puts a $100 bill in their hand, which I think is pretty cool. My dad never did that. He never gave me 100 bucks like that. I'm like, why do all these other kids get it? I'm just, every time, every time I go, bye dad, see you later, right? And I got, ah, I got nothing this time. That's all right. But God, say, God works that, which is really cool. Um, all that to say, you know, I think, it, you know, it's, it's, they used to think that the stars, that um, the closer the star was, um, the brighter it was. Um, there's a star called, I don't even know what's called, the hippo, uh, I forget what it's called, it doesn't matter. They used to believe that the, the closer the star was, the brighter it was. That's not the case. Technology now shows us that the more intense a star is, the brighter it is. Brightness is, it's not about brightness. Brightness, I should, I'm gonna say it this way. Brightness is not about proximity, but about intensity. I think that's why prayer is so important. God's life and light in your life is not about distance or proximity, but a word. In a way, it's prayer. And I think that's what's cool about God is we just want, you know, we, we measure sometimes our proximity to God as, as, as an indicator. It's not about how close you feel to God, but it's about saying a prayer. I'm simply saying, I'm going to give one. And I'm just going to say one prayer and God will respond to you. I want to invite you guys to stand as we close. And I don't know what you're walking through right now if you're saying, you know what? For some of us, we put a ceiling upon our, we put a ceiling upon our, um, upon some of our situations. We're kind of like Abraham. We're just like, you know what? Um, I can only see past eight feet. Some of us are looking up at the green glowy stars up on our eight by 10 foot cap we put on God. And we said, well, those stars, I can... I can, that's probably God. 
We've reduced God to glowing sticky stars on our ceilings. We've reduced God to glowing sticky stars that green, glow green on our ceiling. And God is saying, that's not me. Look up in the heavens, that's me. So I don't know what you're facing right now, but if you're in here and you would say, I'm really struggling. I'm, I need God to do something. And I'm gonna have to bow our heads just for, to, to, for the sacredness and the, and the quietness of this moment. If you would say in here and you would say, okay, eyes are closed. And we're just saying, okay, I gotta focus on God for a second. Not, about other, not around other people, what's happening. But if you would say, you know what? In this message, something hit me. Something hit me about my perspective. I, I, my perspective is shifting. I need God to do something. I need, a, I need to lift up a prayer to God. I need you to pray for me right now because I need God to do the impossible. I need, I, I, I need God to show up and strengthen power on a situation right now. And, and, and I'm willing, I'm ready. I'm ready for God to do something. And you, if that's you, just lift your hand up. If, you, if that's you, you'd say, yeah, yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It's just people, eight, nine, 10, yeah. That's like 10 hands of people. Yeah, Jesus, right now, we just pray. Guys, as a, if your hand's not up, will you just say, Jesus, meet the need? Right now as a church, can we just pray, Jesus, meet the need? Jesus, meet the need right now. We don't know the needs. We just say, be healed in Jesus' name if it's sickness. We say, be restored in Jesus' name if it's relational. We say, be provided for if it's financial. We just say, Jesus, move right now. We're shifting perspective to say, God, we need you. We need you right now to move and strengthen power in the awesome name of Christ. Move, move God, move God today, right now, right now, right now. In the name of Jesus. And also if you would be in here and you would say, you know what, I've never really understood God before, but I would say, you know what, for the first time I, I'm understanding God's for me, he's with me. I'm grasping. I, I want to know Christ personally. I want to know God personally in Jesus. And, and I need to know him. And I've never prayed a prayer before. Or I have a long time ago. And I haven't really, you know, I haven't prayed in a long time. But I'm drawing back to God. I'm drawing near to God. I want to, God, I want to know God today. Would you slip your hand up if that's you? Yeah. One. Anybody else? Anybody else? I just want to pray. Yeah. Will you agree with me? There's one hand that went up. We just want to pray. We just agree with me. Everybody repeat this prayer after me. Jesus, I want to know you more. I confess my sins. I confess my wrongs. I draw near to you. Thank you for your forgiveness, for healing me and restoring.